Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Research VR Podcast. Today, we are joined by the legendary VR podcaster Chris Miranda from Enter VR originally and currently at Vivid Vision. Hey, if I'm not right, right. I don't know about the legendary part, but thanks for having me. Dude, I'll explain why it's so legendary. And on the other microphone over there, we have Erica Barraza. Did I say that right? Yes. Oh, wonderful. From Singularity University. Hello, hello. Hello. I like it. This We have no preparation for this uh, talk because we need no preparation, especially surrounded by experts in their fields and awesome conversations and topics to talk about. And today we're going to talk about this crazy experiment that you did, Chris, about spending 100 hours straight in VR and just kind of talking about you know your, your experiences around it, because I don't think most people knew about uh, or have heard about this awesome experiment happening. And uh, I want to come back to the revisit this idea and, and figure out what happened. Yeah. Um, so should we start now? No, no, we, I think I want to, <laughs> we got to take, take it slow, right? We got to take good, it slow. Good, good. I also have to, a special <laughs> shout out to you, Chris, because the first time I actually like even said anything about VR on air was on your podcast. Like, it was after a conversation we had on the phone. You're like, wait, we should be recording this and like, let's do a podcast. And I was got super excited. I was like sitting in my dorm at, in college, turned on my laptop, got this mic set up. I think I had my, um, my like iPhone earphone mic, which was like scruffing against my beard like this. <laughs> and, uh, we talked about just like really interesting shit. And then a month later I started research VR podcast. Um, so thank you for that. That was super cool. Full circle back, back to the original podcast it's awesome that's that's yeah this is probably why i do this this, <laughs> this is good stuff I'm, I'm so uh i'm so happy you guys have gone so far with research vr congratulations thank you man yeah we i try to keep up with it it's ever since starting to work here and upload it's it's a little bit harder and erica and i um we're also doing a little bit on a, a side project on vr forget so i think this is kind of a cross episode of like the science and the interesting social aspects of things combined into one um, and I think would be a good starting off point uh, for both. So welcome back. Yeah, thank you. I know I'm excited. Chris, Chris, you and I have had some wild conversations about <laughs> VR. Uh, probably every one of them record <laughs> deserving a recording of some kind, uh, or maybe some better not <laughs> better left unrecorded. But um, Chris, always enjoy chatting with you. I think it's so important as we also explore the depth of VR for good, uh, mm -hmm. all the possible ways and. Uh, I don't know, potential pitfalls that uh, VR might be led astray. And I love just digging into your mind on uh, all the creative and imaginative ways things can go crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's always fun mental experiments and, and conversations to have when you're exploring uh, VR for good. Dude, I'm so excited. This is going to be so much fun. Yeah, Erica, yeah I can't I told wait. You. This rabbit hole is worth going into. <laughs> I told you, no need for preparation because <laughs> this is all your bread and jam. I feel like every time I see you at a conference, we just like dive into this. We literally just dive into this in, uh, insane subjects for like 20 minutes just standing up in the middle, like having lunch on one side and like a, a coffee on the other. And then you're know, like yelling and then people around us start walking around us and like start eaves eavesdropping in like, what the hell are these guys talking about? And then it all ends. It's like, all right, I'll see you next con next conference. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> just so you know, just so you know, I make it my goal to make sure that every conversation you and I have is a little bit uncomfortable to you. <laughs> you just told a little me that bit before. uncomfortable to you. I think that's healthy for yeah. anyone, though. Because because we get it's easy to get caught up in circle jerks, right? Yeah. So it's like it's good to like have like conversations that like 
you know, will make you be like, oh, God, wow, what just happened? Yeah. This dude is fucking crazy. <laughs> Came out of left field. I, I think that's your specialization, Chris, let's be honest. Um, you know, I, it's, it's funny because it's one of those things where, like, I want to... It, it's like it's a, like a roller coaster ride. I want to keep you on edge, like holy shit, he's gonna throw it off the rails this time. But no, but no, I just keep it right on the edge where you think I'm gonna like say something worse than I've ever said before. But no, like I keep it. It's it's, it's nice. I like to have the suspense. Like, <laughs> oh, man. that's why he's on the show, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, enter VR is I think really interesting uh, project. I, I w- I've been really into podcasts since like 10 years ago. And so when I was getting into VR, I wanted to see what was out there. And I think yours was the first that I found um, and went through just a ton of episodes. So I feel like I've gone to know you a little bit more than you think I know you. <laughs> just, I mean, I think that's the nature of podcasters is like, it's a one-way conversation, but like it's a really intimate on, rece- on the receiving end because someone's speaking into your ears for like hours on end. So you feel like you know them, but you kind of really don't i play i downplay that i um mm. i actually I, I tell myself because i think I'm, i might be i might be like mentally ill or something because i think I'm, i might be like too narcissistic so i consciously say my tell myself all right no one's listening to this podcast no one gives a shit <laughs> and that makes me a little bit more um fearless yeah because <laughs> i'm like no one gives a fit no one gives a fuck no one's listening all right but I'm sure there are people. I, right. I look at my SoundCloud statistics. I know there are people. <laughs> I, I, I'm not ignoring you. If you're out there, I know you're out there. But I'm going <laughs> to pretend you're not so I can actually speak my mind. <laughs> it's an interesting way to manage your own celebrity, isn't it? Yeah. It, I it's weird. Celebrity is not a... It's a weird... Definitely a weird one. Definitely a weird one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we're in the age of this, like, micro-celebrity, micro-celebrities where, like, not that you're not a cool celebrity or anything, but it's... We sometimes don't know our own following um, because especially being like, you know, on the VR public end of things, it's, we're just trying to, we're constantly out in public, like on the internet public. And there are actually like people that follow this very closely. And I was one of them. Like, that's how I got into this business um, is just by reading and listening and kind of following people a ton. So shout out to all our fans. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to everyone who's stepping up into into VR to try to make something with their lives. I feel like so it was it was you and Kent Bai that first came on the Enter VR podcast. Oh, cool! You guys went off and did your own podcast. It was (laughs) was, and to see that like has and be able to like contribute just a little bit, just a little bit is so it means a lot to me. Like it means so much. I've actually been struggling, uh, and sorry to t- go off on a bit of a tangent, but I'm going to need you guys' advice on something. Right. I've been struggling with the following dilemma. Should I get a hammock or a dry erase board for Christmas for myself? Now, let me tell you why the dry erase board. Okay. okay. I've realized, I've realized, <laughs> please. <laughs> so I know, I know the hammock seems like, yeah, that's a no-brainer. Why the fuck would you want to get a dry erase board? But uh-huh. I've realized that my best thoughts are in the shower. Yes. And I need to write them down. Yes. And I've been thinking to myself, like, I need to put a dry erase board right there on that shower yes. so that I make sure. Because I, because I'm like, I'm in the shower and I think to myself, dude, am I a fucking <laughs> genius? Holy shit. This, Wait. These thoughts are amazing. Shower thoughts. And then I get out of the shower and then they're gone. <laughs> okay. First, let's start with the premise. You're in the shower and you need a dry erase board. Is, would that not work? Yeah, I think the dry is critical. Oh, okay. mm. But, uh, I mean, there's also the mirror. 
Right? True. You, could, you could scribble with your finger on the foggy mirror. It's a nice true. romantic note to yourself. True. Uh, you know, or or even no, just that'll like, go away though. That 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 foggy yeah, writing sure. doesn't stay. Well, listen, it's going to last longer than his thoughts apparently to get from the shower to a notebook. Yeah. Or even just like if you've got a mirror in your bedroom, I see. I use mirrors yeah. to write on. To really? write on with the with the dry erase markers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, you know, hammock. Stocking stuffer for dry erase markers. It's a win-win. And then just find yourself a nice, happy mirror. But you have the ability to get that shower thought and hold the shower thought all the way from the point that you're done with your shower to the point where you're in the mirror. I don't, I don't have that you know, luxury. <laughs> okay. There's a, there are notebooks that you can take out into the field with waterproof paper. Holy shit. I think that's what you need. Yes, Science. actually. My girlfriend Science had, to the rescue. Science. <laughs> thank you. Oh, they yeah, have they pencils. You have pencils you can write with on the on the the this waterproof paper that you can mm-hmm. put up on your wall. It's got, or in the shower. It's pretty Get cool. Get yourself a nice NASA pen. You know, here's here's what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. I got an iPhone seven that's waterproof, and now I have everything in the shower. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool. I just like bring it in with me. Usually, I like to keep showers just like completely disconnected, which is nice to have those shower thoughts. But sometimes you're watching a YouTube video and you just want to keep watching it as you're going into the shower. So today I watched Colbert Report when I was, well, not Colbert Report, you know what I mean. <laughs> I watched that in the shower. It was pretty great. Wow. Yeah. And then you can also type if you want to. I mean, wow. Yeah. Take that, NSA. <laughs> <laughs> Eat your heart out. Shower thoughts are, are real, though. I think there's um, the science, or at least this is me BSing a little bit, but I think there's some merit to it. You know, that, that state right before you're asleep, when you've put your head down the first like 20 minutes, you're just like almost in and out of hallucination, but you also, you also have those amazing thoughts. You're like, Oh my God, I just solved all of my problems. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's actually the same state and it's called like alpha, alpha waves uh, that your brain goes into. It's just like the slower, more relaxed state that I'm pretty sure the shower also induces, which is why we have those really, free thinking um stage when you're just kind of exploring ideas and you really feel like you you come to some interesting conclusions and you do you really do yeah if uh, someone ever came up to me and said chris here's 50 million dollars go start an accelerator Mm -hmm. i would make sure that this accelerator space every desk was a standing desk (laughs) and and it was underneath the shower <laughs> It'd be glorious. We would be we would be the epicenter of the world's greatest technological innovations because of the amount of you know human potential we unleash with the with this shower thought mechanism. You know, it'd be amazing. VR, forget it. There's like, something there, I swear, but I don't know what it is. What is it about the shower that makes me so smart? You know, I think it's the fact that like you're literally, well, with the exception of Oz taking his phone in. <laughs> I think it's that that moment of clarity. Right, you've got one task. Maybe and and, and you're focused. Uh, yeah, your your brain is somewhat uncluttered in the shower. And it, and that thing you've just done many many times, your brain has gone very efficient at doing it. So you don't need much cognitive load to do the showering. So it leaves so much empty room for other thinking. Right, you're you're taking this long, to actually this much to actually do the showering, and then this much cognitive load is just open for you to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my interpretation yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the same as like when you go through like your whole morning routine, brush mm-hmm. your teeth, get the shower, make your tea or your coffee and everything, and before you know it, you're like 20 minutes in, and you're like, I don't even remember what I just did. Yep. Or like, you know, it happens also sometimes uh, in scary ways when you're driving home, 
And those last few minutes, mm-hmm. like you're just like, you don't even remember. You're on autopilot and it's just operating completely different levels of your brain. Yeah. It sucks when those moments happen and you realize that you've locked yourself out of the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> that, it, 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 that's happened to me twice in the last six months. A lot of shit has been going down and I just don't have time to think about like a lot of things. So I go into autopilot and it's twice, twice it's happened to me. That's and nuts. The apartment building where I live, they will charge me 50 bucks to come unlock the door for me, which is ridiculous. Do you use those little tokens for the door or do you use like real keys? Real keys. No. I've real. heard there are some uh, apartments here in the city that the ones that they use the tokens, they'll charge $100 to Holy replace that for fuck. you. Holy really? But you know, those places are. You could get money. the Bluetooth <laughs> yeah. lock thingy but i don't trust those honestly at all like we're so early in the iot stage for you to trust like your entire home security down to a, like a 50 dollar kickstarter <laughs> thing that don't do it what do you have to lose think about it though i mean no expensive pcs and vr headsets who though has insurance got that ah oh, maybe maybe i guess maybe maybe could insurance cover like someone? If you've got robbing? renters insurance, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, please, I implore you, You're renters such an adult. insurance. Yeah, <laughs> you know all these things about <laughs> renting. Oh, that's well, true. Yeah. Well, let's get to our main topic. I think this has been something I've been wanting to just know more about, and I've just been like bugging you on Twitter, just like write, do a write up, or like tell me more. Like seriously, it's it was so interesting. I was watching you during during the live stream just from here just um i remember seeing one scene um where i was guess you're like 50 or 60 hours in sitting on a chair with a vibe and then you had a towel around the 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 foam because i guess the foam itself gets really annoying after like three hours (laughs) and uh you were gonna go to the bathroom and then you like Close your eyes, took the Vive off, and immediately put on the gear, and then turned it on. Went th- went into the pass through mode, and then walked to the bathroom, and then came back. And you like made a sh- sandwich along the way. I was like, "Wow, that this guy is taking it seriously." <laughs> so, what was your process like? I mean, in terms of you are right, so I'm going to be upfront and say that this this experiment, this marathon thing. Um, Although I'll, I said that I did go 100 hours inside of a VR headset, mm-hmm. there were three to four seconds in which I, my, my, I had this muscle reflex mm. and I took it off and I saw the world and I was like, fuck, no, no. So it was, oh, it was just muscle. Force, 100, it was like this weird muscle memory where like, you know, you just take off the headset. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. take off the headset. So that, that happened twice. That happened a, a couple of times and another time. I had to talk to my lawyer because I got arrested because of virtual reality. I'm not going to go into that. You told uh, me about that. Whoa, but, that is such a tease. <laughs> it is a tease, isn't it? But, you know, this is the nature of... Uh, we'll revisit beast. when the legal paperwork clears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Last so, time you told me you got arrested for wearing like a, a furry costume or something and, and what hours you were driving. <laughs> it's crazy fucking... It's a crazy fucking story. It's a crazy story. Um, but it, it's not... The story is not as badass as I make it sound like it is. Like, holy shit, you got arrested for virtual reality. No, it's not. It's not that badass. Um, but the, going back to the hundred hour thing, yeah, I went. You know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of my time inside of VR and uh, a VR headset. And the thinking behind it was when I first started the Enter VR podcast, I would like ask all all these people. You know, at some point, and here's the thing. Um, you know, with regards to writing a blog, I've actually struggled with that. <laughs> by the way yeah, I'm, i've actually uh, like i was like i've been you know and i've been trying to write it you know for the past months and i and i sit down to write 
And I say to myself, ask myself, how the fuck am I going to be able to put this experience into words? You know, because it's uh, it's it was a week of uh, more, more than half of a week of my life where I was not in the world. I was just somewhere else. Yeah. And it was crazy. But um, why it was because when I first started the podcast, um, I would ask the smartest people I could find the question like, hey, what would happen after prolonged news? Mm. And developers, scientists, doctors, entrepreneurs, VCs would all come back answering the same thing, um, which was, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, well, here's a, an opportunity for me to figure this out. Not only that, but I mean, it, I mean, it was a, it, it, the, the, um, the drive came from a little bit of altruism because I was like, holy shit, you know, there's billions of dollars putting people, these companies are putting into this and, you know, we don't really know what mm-hmm. would happen. And then a little bit uh, of my drive came from from ego because I was like, well, holy shit, I'll be the first dude. Yeah, this is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be, I'm going to be the first guy, be 100 hours. Great. Dig measuring contest. It's awesome. <laughs> and then the other part was um, sort of imposter syndrome. It's a, it's a big thing mm. in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. where like, you know, you're in, in the, in, you're surrounded by some of the most brilliant human beings that have ever lived in one of the most competitive places that have ever, have, have ever existed. And you ask yourself sometimes like, well, what the fuck am I doing here? What am I doing here? How do I belong here? And so you get this imposter syndrome where you're like, you know, you have to go the extra mile to prove yourself that you belong somewhere. And so I had a little bit of that going into the 100 hour project. I was like, you know what? I'm not just a, a podcaster, but I, I do shit, you know, I, yeah. I, and, and boy, did I do shit. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the symptoms and the thing, the things that I felt coming back were definitely real, mm. definitely real. Um, so I, I guess before we jump into like the effects at the end, what were your expectations going into it mm. and what varied when you're like, holy shit, this is actually better or worse than I thought. So I studied this a little bit, mm. um, I looked at, and part of my preparation included um, looking at what others have done, had done before. There was this guy in Germany and Sarah Lisa Vogel. Shout out to yeah, Sarah. She's fucking awesome. Great. I think she helped him out with that project. He went 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting about that particular scenario or that particular experiment was that the guy at 26 hours was asleep, woke up. And then freak the fuck out. Mm. Just complete freak out. You know, and was he, that the guy in the bunny suit? Yeah, yeah, the pink bunny suit. That <laughs> yeah. was him. And and he and he had a complete freak out. Sarah had to come over on cam on the on the on the live stream and sort of had to like really? calm him down. <laughs> you know, be, and who knows what had really happened. Um, right. I think he what he said on the Vice interview on the interview was that, you know, he had woken up and he had forgotten maybe that his his mind had forgotten that he was in virtual reality mm-hmm. and he and, and there was this weird disconnect you know yeah. anyway i it, that freaked me out so i was like well i don't need to, i don't want to end up like that guy okay. um so that was one of the things that i was looking into like how am i going to not freak out after going to sleep you know how am i going to deal with that psychologically how am i going to deal with the um eye strain of staring at a, a blue light for 100 hours how i'm mm. going to how am i going to go poop i'm going to go pee. Yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, how am i going to sleep with it on um and all those things i went into it without having done a single trial run trial run <laughs> i just i was you know at because here's the thing i I had, I had borrowed a titan x from my friend james james uh-huh. Baha, and uh and you know at that point i was like and i had gotten this free vibe from unity 
So I was like, well, fuck it. This is it. You know, and, and here's the thing. I had asked people, um, I've reached out to like scientists, um, mm-hmm. like Ghazali Lab included, about collaborating, seeing if we can work together on this, seeing Do if there's a case study. Yeah. And um, I, wo- I got, you know, pretty much deaf ears. I mm-hmm. think, and I kind of understand that, like, you know, you're, well, well, you're some random guy, you're going to go 100 hours and I'm going to put my name on the line, yeah, you know, exactly. my profession on the line for you. So I, I, I understood that and I realized that um, I, I might as well just do it on my own. You know, no one's mm-hmm. going to. And, and if anything, what it ended up proving was that, A, you can do it and B, you don't die. Uh, that's good and so if i ever do it again which i am going to then i'll help be able to prove to you know the scientists and the researchers like look i've done this before it's gonna be fine but i need more data i need to find out what is going on inside the human mind uh to a more granular level and the equipment is out there you know the the um biofeedback and the Mm -hmm. brain imaging equipment is out there Mm -hmm. and that's 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 the ultimate goal for this project to go 100 maybe 200 hours um push or stress test the limits of the wetware yeah um and 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 figure out uh if there's anything there and if there isn't then great you know then we get green light and we all go into the matrix happily but if there isn't yeah. Uh, there is something there um, that we should be concerned about. Then we, at least we get to catch it somewhat early because mm. um, things are accelerating so fast. It's so crazy. But and, I mean, these, these are these displays on the headsets. I mean, they're made from phones. Literally, that's mm-hmm. just a phone display that they just retrofitted into the headset. And like, as far as I've seen, I still haven't seen anyone, you know, really looking at the effects of what it's like to have that in front of your eyes for so long. They're meant to be viewed at, you know, at a, at a half a meter distance from you rather than in a near eye display. So I don't know. There's, there's really interesting effects there. And, and you're right. I think even the blue light, especially when you're trying to go to sleep, probably not the best. Did you, I guess, what environment were you in when you were, you're trying to go, you, do you have a Vive on? Or? So yeah, I used the Vive um, and I was uh, primar- primarily going through every top rated experience in the steam VR platform six months ago. Um, and then I ended up playing a, a lot of, a lot of really good games. One of them, one of my favorites was Vanishing Realms mm. because it, have you ever played the Legend of Zelda? Mm-hmm. And you, and then you've played the Legend of Zelda and then, and then three years ago when VR first, you know, when this, this new next wave of VR started coming around, you, you, you would ask yourself like, wow, imagine Zelda in VR. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have to imagine that because I play Vanishing Realms and it was basically that. It was fucking awesome. I was basically Link from the Legend of Zelda slaying dragons, shooting orcs in their face with arrows. It was great. That's um, cool. And, 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 and I spent 12 hours doing that one day, one on my first day. And I was like, all right, well, that's, that's basically it. All right, I can go to sleep. You know, I slayed dragons for eight hours. The next day, in the next few days, it was uh, hover junkers. Um, very, I, the, one of the things that I, was, um, that I was cognizant of was taking advantage of room scale. I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that my body was in motion mm-hmm. um, as tiring as it became. Because I, I remember playing four, four or five hours of straight up hover junkers with Gunter S. Thompson. <laughs> and it was nice. fucking... It was fucking great, but I remember at the end I was like, I think I might have done around 350, 350 squats. Nice, dude. That's <laughs> in, in five hours, I might have done this. Like it's just because you're you're taking cover, you're going up yeah, and down, up yeah. and down, up and down. Yeah, I exaggerated. Not definitely not three hundred squats, but 
in that ballpark it was so many and yeah. i didn't feel it because i was so hyped up you know shooting people in the face and now you can actually track those things like how, how far you've moved in the vibe how many times you've rotated and, and like moved in xyz uh oh. i think it's called advanced open vr settings for the vibe like just adds it in. it's pretty cool it's so just, they are turning the vibe into a little bit of a fitbit because it has be. the accel- accelerometers and everything it's not it. official from them it's like someone just made a plugin that like gives you more options in the vibe that's fucking cool and it helps you can rotate the play space you can do things to it yeah it's pretty amazing uh that's fucking cool um so so one thing that i found that was really interesting was the social vr spaces were very much uh like like i i looked at it um sort of from an anthropological perspective Mm -hmm. like it was you you can definitely have a sense of how different the cultures are that are being nurtured in these spaces completely different cultures you know you from vr chat to alt space to high fidelity yeah, the, the the culture, the way people talk, the way people interact, um, it sort of goes to show how much of our world and how much of our actions are like engineered through our environments. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like I was like, wow, this is crazy. Um, hmm. And and it's just it's I think that's a taste of what's to come. But yeah, throughout the experiment, uh, I want to freeze on that. Actually, yeah. that's really interesting uh, point about just the culture. And I guess you can even look at like, you know, Instagram culture versus Facebook culture and Snapchat culture. And that's the Internet cultures that we've and like Reddit culture. Right. And then that to the nth degree in VR, essentially, when you, it is a real interaction. And, and I wonder how that will develop into you know, many different distinct cultures that you see, you know, like how you behave in rec room versus how you behave in alt space uh, and how that actually changes you. That's really interesting no it definitely is what did you see in in terms of generally different things generally speaking everyone's nice that's for sure Mm -hmm. um but it seemed to me um like uh like people in vr chat were a little weirder Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was it was like a good weird kind of like a good weird nerd like Mm -hmm. like because here's the thing these are people who are making their own unity environments and putting them in vr chat and they're like, and they're using their own custom avatars. Like it's it's more involved. They take mm-hmm. more ownership of it, I think. Whereas alt space, the world's already there, mm. and you get there, and it's all about you know more. I feel like it's more about uh, talking to people. Whereas in VR chat, it's a little bit more about exploring and checking out the different creative ways people are making rooms and and, mm. and, and spaces. But yeah, there's definitely there's definitely seems like there's there's. The, the, the creators, the developers are trying to foster two different cultures. In, in the, and you can see them in real time when you go from one to the other, you know, back and forth. Yeah, but, in, it, but it's, it's subtle. It's subtle. And most of it, you know, you'll just come away realizing that everyone in VR is just nice. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And unlike other multiplayer kind of like things on Xbox where people are just you know, telling that they're going to teabag you and do this to your mother. But <laughs> yeah, it gets intense. I've been getting, I, I was getting, um, I was I've been playing a little bit of Overwatch lately, and I've been getting mm-hmm. um, verbally abused in Overwatch. Like, come on! I play Diva. Diva, come on! You suck, dude. You suck. I'm like, seriously, guys, it's just a game. <laughs> yeah, I I've been playing some Onward, which is like the Call of Duty for VR on the Vive, and like it's a really tough game because you have there's all these things on my on your body that I used to pick up, and there's like no instructions for the game, and so like. You know, you, you have one death and then you have one life and you die. And but if the people are so nice that you're like, sorry guys, I'm a noob. I have no idea how to play. They're like, oh cool, come with me. Like literally, they like come next to you and then they show you. They like point to things in your body and like grab it with that trigger because you can do that. Like you can you know literally touch their 
body and like point to things and, and help help each other do that. Uh, especially even on the control, you can point to their hand, be like, click that button. You know, wow. you can't really do that mm-hmm. before with like X, Y, Z. Um, it's cool. But at least for now, it's going to be really uh, nice communities. Hopefully, you know, if, as adoption grows and anonymity, anonymity grows as well yeah. uh, comes trolling and uh, you guys bring up some interesting points um because you know myself i'm not a gamer i mean i have my game boy and i've played zelda and a little bit of pokemon and tetris my god so much tetris but one of the things is like i you know i'm not playing these regular kinds of games and i'm wondering how do, how jarring do you think that the shift in these kinds of communities uh will be for let's just say for women or just even non-gamers in general, Mm. right? Because I've no experience in the kind of worlds that you're describing in, but I am really active in Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and Reddit. And I, you know, you learn to get accustomed, right? Like in Mm. Reddit learned like rule one, no one must know you're female, Mm. Um, you know, and and Snapchat, you know, I feel fairly safe because it's all my friends and, Mm Instagram, uh, you know, like so much food and flowers uh, is like my running theme and all my VR pics and stuff. Um, and then Facebook, I try to keep some semblance of privacy and like leave my mm. leave, you know, my my professional life, you know, a, a little bit inside, but more more personal. Right. So I've set up specific boundaries for each culture, for each uh, part of the inter the internet mm-hmm. where, where where we're visiting how much autonomy do you think these different social vr groups or, or spaces are allowing for either personal definition it sounds like some people have a lot like a deeply personal investment in building out some places and others are visiting essentially someone else's space how do, how do you think that people who've never had experiences with these kinds of environments might struggle or or thrive in there yeah, it's a tough question. I think, you know, and I think it's going to come down to the individual. I think people are going to, you know, people are going to visit a, a place like VR chat and be inundated by uh, all the environments that you can go into. And they can either they might walk away feeling inspired, wanting to join and try to contribute or or they'll be intimidated and they'll be like, holy fuck, you know, this isn't for me. Um yeah. or something in between. And, and it's hard to say, frankly, but, you know, I think there's something there. I think in terms of like the real culture of like how you'll interact and how much information of you you'll put out in, in each app will be determined when your actual friends are also part of those communities. And that really determines how you're going to uh, you know, show your identity because um, you can be anonymous, you know, in, in whatever app and you can make up whatever username and goes that sometimes i like to do that and be you know german in one of our i mean vr and be like mm-hmm. really funny german but then <laughs> and then real germans come on the show and then but it's i mean it's fun to play as, as as a different person i think that's mm-hmm. i think that's one of the appeals of it um so this is early times and it's cool to see that you know yeah. there's at least some kind of anthropological experimentation happening um yeah. yeah let's tell me tell us a little bit more about you know um your second day or third day yeah no it, feeling. It, i mean and sort of the piggyback on the anthropological experimentation i feel like um you can, we can't even go further you know we mm. could you know i've been i've been thinking lately about and and this is one of these things where like it's a running theme with me where like i'll think like man i should make this experience mm-hmm. but now i we can pretty much create an experience where 
from the get-go, you tell the user, this experience is going to offend you. We're going to do everything we can in this experience to offend you. Um, and you, you can get imaginative. Mm. But, but this is, but again, it's another way of sort of pushing the envelope of what is creatively possible and showing people a version of VR that is more real to sort of this human spectrum of imagination. Um, but back to the second day, um, I think, um, so, so I, I, I went to sleep that night and I realized that I didn't have any issues. I, and, and I also realized that I didn't have any dreams. I was going in there expecting to have like crazy dreams because that was one of the mm. things that I was seeing on the Reddits. People would go on, on, the, on the subreddits and say, hey, guys, are you guys, are you guys getting wild, crazy dreams? And yeah. you'd be like, yeah. And then it just becomes a, 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 a giant um, affirmation mm-hmm. circle. And so, and so that first night I was a little bit, I was a little bit disappointed because I was like, oh, fuck, I, I guess the hype isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to sleep with the headset on um, and inside of the valve, the, the lab from mm-hmm. valve. And they have a solar system room in there. So, so I went to sleep in the solar system. And what I did was I would go to sleep facing away from the sun. And in the morning, I would turn over and I would look at the sun and I would be my sunrise. Quote unquote. Right? So That's so romantic. Try to trick my brain romantically to, um, to sort of realize that there's daylight or that there's sort of a pattern to yeah. waking up mm-hmm. and going to sleep. Um, so, so that was my, that was my method of going to sleep. Um, and to eat, I would, uh, heat up hot pockets and microwavable burritos mm. and, um, anything that I could eat with my hands and just put in the microwave. And then I would eat it with a pass through camera. That was, mm-hmm. that was my method. It was, uh, um, it was effective. It was effective. Um, and wow. then you yeah, use gear VR to use the bathroom. Um, I, I recorded myself using a cup. Wait. Using the you should have peed in a cup, man. I, I should have peed in a cup in front of everyone. I mean, honestly, it's a brave new world. But um, but then so I, I just want to make sure I've got the logic. That's because there was no cables, right? No, yeah, I couldn't there reach. was no particular yeah, yeah, yeah. environment. Next, yeah, yeah. Next, okay. Yeah, next time it's gonna be in a room where the toilet's gonna be right there. You're gonna see me doing it right in front of you. Well, <laughs> no yeah, you'll have given. that nice six by six prison cell. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. It's gonna be uh, sponsored, <laughs> brought to you by the uh, Department Calf. of uh, Justice, <laughs> <laughs> of correction, correctional institutions. The Department of Corrections. Yeah, they're always looking for sponsored money. by yeah, <laughs> private prison industry. I think that's a whole other podcast right there. Is VR in prisons? Question mark. And here's right. the thing. I think there's a silver lining to it. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that there could be rehabilitative uh, and uh, actually good things that can come out of that. You know, mm-hmm. y- yeah, there's a chance that we might brainwash people, turn these places into brainwashing, uh, re-education camps. There's a possibility that could happen, right? You know, but I, I, I don't want to shut my mind out completely from it, the possibility of, you know, using this as a, a tool of education uh, for for people who are, are in jail. Um, yeah. But yeah, back to back uh, to peeing. Here. Back to peeing. Um, so 100 hours <laughs> with. So. So, yeah, I peed with the headset on and I film myself taking a shower with it on. <laughs> you showered? Yeah. yeah I, sh- I showered with the Gear VR on um, and it huh. was. It uh, I took one shower though. It was only one shower. Okay, yeah. Because okay. yeah, it was not easy. <laughs> really Public not easy. service. But I didn't wash my hair. I was just <laughs> the, yeah. 
One thing that I should note that the whole experiment was gross. The whole thing was gross. The whole thing. I was just looking back at it. I'm like laughing. Your head to straps are just like full of grease now. Dude, like. dude. Oh, and here's the worst thing about it is that. Remember how I told you I didn't think through uh, the whole like wearing the headset, you know, for a hundred hours. I didn't get like a, I didn't get like a, like an extra, like a, a foam, foam pad. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So I wore the same foam for a hundred hours straight after sweating, after hover junkers? sleeping, farting in it. I did everything in it. I the hover junkers, audio shield. I mean, hollow point was the biggest workout by far. If you yeah. play hollow point, yeah. mm-hmm. you quit your gym membership. Just get fucking hollow point. <laughs> And you'll be like, I mean, I was sweating, just dripping, dripping sweat, you know, but it was gross. It was gross because then I had realized that was a lot of fun. That was so much fun. Oh, shit. I have 76 hours more to go in this. Uh, I can't take it off. And so and so what I did was, um, oh, fuck, what did I do? I did. I MacGyvered something. I MacGyvered. I think I I, did. I have a towel or something. Well, the towel. Here's the thing. The the Vive engineers. (laughs) <laughs> did not think through the fact that someone would go 100 hours in VR. Like they just didn't see that coming. Because I bet the, the Oculus ones, uh, yeah, well, <laughs> the Oculus ones didn't have a put, didn't put a password camera in the thing, so I couldn't use it. Oh. Um, the, yeah, no, that was a big reason why people are like asking me, like, why didn't you use the Oculus? Why didn't you use the Rift? And, and it's it's so much easier to troubleshoot a headset when you can turn on the password camera mm-hmm. and I can see my keyboard. Because uh, it is that more comfortable. That's interesting. Well, at least in my opinion, the Rift is more comfortable. Fuck but. yes. By far. No mm. doubt. It's yeah. comfortable, lighter, um, but doesn't have password camera. And mm. it didn't have touch controllers at the time. So And room scale... I, I I would have taken room scale yeah. over, over, over having to sit down for 100 hours or mm. to stand. So then... Um, so yeah, so where was I? I should just get to the dreaming. The dreaming looking insane. Dude, yeah. What what night did you have this, these so, dreams? The second, third, and fourth night, um, I remember having these insane, vivid dreams, the mm-hmm. likes of which I've never have had and never had had since. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting because the subtext of the dreams were um, me escaping or me running away from a certain situations and i and i have this theory i had that my subconscious was trying to tell me chris just run away take off the headset it's fine just take it off you know <laughs> just trying to tell me through my yeah, dreams those sound like stress dreams actually like, yeah it, were, dude yeah. you know and you know what i was doing i was i was in one of my dreams i was a madman i become i had become a don draper type wow. and i was in the top of this building and like shit had shit had just gotten too stressful so i had to run away from the office and I ran away from the office and I like climbed the top of this construction site, this building. And I just went up to the top and just to reflect and smoke weed. That's, mm. That was it. But it was so vivid. It was, and, and, and it was emotional too. Like, mm. if, like I, I think I was crying in the dream mm. and I think I was crying in real life. Like it was mm-hmm. like, it was what I like to think is that the brain knows uh, when it's in VR, when it's in reality and when it's dreaming and in that state, those dreams it felt like I was somewhere in between all three. Like it was just different. It was just different. I've never felt anything. Do you like think that. there was a difference between knowing that you were in VR versus knowing you were in a dream, or was your brain maybe panicking because it felt like it was in a dream for too long? Yeah, it could have been that. It could have been exactly that. <laughs> I, I wonder. I, I, you know, what would be an interesting experiment is to see, um, you know, if there have been any coma patients. Who would have similar reactions or or have a, a similar 
gosh, I'm not sure how to phrase it, but like, you know, if, if some of them are semi-conscious or, or at least subconsciously aware when they're in their coma, or if something gets triggered that if they spend a significant enough amount of time that their brains might react and pulling some kind of deep seated PTSD from the time that they were out, Mm. um, Mm. that, that just has my imagination rolling right now. (laughs) Yeah, that would be insane. As far as, as far as we know with, when it comes to dreaming, it's, it's mostly about your brain trying to, um, store, uh, I think there's a better word for it, store the memories that it's formed. And especially the, like the, the learning part of things, right? Like you learn certain things throughout your day and sleeping is how it gets transferred into long-term. Um, and a, a lot of that comes with um, like physical movement. If you've learned like a new, if you start lear- learning the cello or piano or something, you start dreaming about certain things about that because your brain is this, like such a new skill for it to start learning, which is primarily why people have those VR dreams in the beginning, right? They're like brain has not ever experienced this. And then especially when it's a room scale and walking around and moving hands kind of in experience your brain really starts to work on overtime trying to understand how those how that physics of that world even works but i I have no idea what it would do after you know being in it literally 24 7 and and the dreams that you have after that i mean i'm guessing it's trying to consolidate those memories but then there's the anxiety and, and stress aspect of things where you are not comfortable throughout your entire day right i'm sure you're comfortable to a certain degree but there's a lot of fiddling and things they have to do. Um, so that's fascinating. I mean, I'd love to ask like a memory researcher about, about that. Yeah. The, the whole experience was really, I mean, and here's the thing about um, the, my mind adapted to being in VR fairly quickly. Really? Like it just, it was just, it's just, it might have been, it might have to do with the fact that I've been in the paying attention or working in VR for so long and, you know, using VR for so much uh, that I just, that it's just second nature to me. But but yeah, it, it was really easy for my brain to click into like, all right, I'm in VR and sort of be okay with the resolution mm-hmm. with like, mm-hmm. and with being, being okay with the screen door effect, being okay with the, 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 the extra, the extra lighting that, that it, with being okay with the field of view. Mm-hmm. And it, and it sort of just like that became normal to me. And, you know, after, so, so the, so in here, you know, what you bring up uh, about the dreaming and I am undeniably un, uh, optimistic about VR. And there's one reason why. There's, here's the one reason. Regardless, and here's the thing, you know, there's this movement of people who want to make VR, and I'm all for it. I, I want to make VR more empathetic. want to make VR more conscious. I want to use VR to um, give people the ability to critically think about the world and certain subjects. Like, I'm all for that, right? Um, but if that movement fails... If that movement movement fails, I'm still going to be a bit optimistic about VR because here's why. And I've discovered it thanks to the 100 hours and just prove it, prove it to me even more. I think that the human brain, for most people on planet Earth, and James Blaha says, says this well, he's like, at, you know, around the age of 10, you know, your, your brain sort of decides, all right, these are the patterns, rules, and regulations of this reality that I'm in. And basically, this is what I have to deal with. For the rest of my life, I don't have to work around. I don't have to fuss with the physics. I don't have to think new, think up of new models or of my reality. And what happens is, is that if the brain can be seen sort of as a muscle, right? And when you don't exercise a particular muscle, it just atrophies, right? Mm-hmm. I think that what's ha- what what VR can do is that all of a sudden those patterns and sort of 
and 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 uh, models of the world that were like stuck mm-hmm. where they were for you for the your whole life all of a sudden they're being stimulated mm-hmm. they're being they're being challenged and you know i think i don't know if, if vr is going to make people smarter but i think that the uh that the x ex, the access to more more experience um will undoubtedly re- rewire the brain one way or the other absolutely and i think and i hope i mean is that you know this will cure um the problem of small-mindedness i think it's just human beings we we're, we we're easily it's easy for us to get stuck in a small-minded sort of pattern because it's the it's just an easy route it's, it's, we're efficient animals i think we're lo- we're always looking for efficiency you know it's not that we're lazy it's that we like efficiency which is like mm-hmm. let's work for more you know and i think that that uh, can backfire and that's where vr can come in because then you know you have access to you know insane experiences I th- and then, then, then your brain becomes that muscle that you start exercising, mm-hmm. or not, <laughs> or not, you know. Or we're just sitting here, just BSing. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, one of the questions that that brings up is is something that I hear all the time. You know, especially since you know the whole month of November just kind of imploded on us here in the valley, um, <laughs> where we have a lot of folks who are questioning, you know, their echo chambers, the bubbles that they live in, and yeah. and the power of technology. And a lot of people saying that, you know, how do we redistribute that power? How do we create groups that are going to kind of create almost like an ethics board or morals board? And and the question I always have is, well, well, whose ethics, whose morals, whose whose beliefs? How do you how do you account for that, right? And and one of the things that I'm inspired by and also a bit skeptical of is the open AI. Right. Like mm-hmm. this whole movement of all of these AI experts coming together, making this attempt to to set some ethical boundaries and limitations on what can or should be explored or experimented or implemented with AI. Do you think that we need something similar or who, who would we even begin to assemble for some kind of ethics board for VR? Because when we talk about rewiring the brain and we talk about opening up people's minds, you know, and we made the joke earlier about, you know, the prison system as well. But really, when we make those examples, I think about you know, Clockwork Orange and, you know, that scene where they just keep his eyes open and he's watching all of these things and you're completely changing a human being by rewiring their brain. How do we tackle that? Well, let's get to. So let's let's talk a little bit about rewiring the brain, because this is how VR 100 hours in VR rewired mine. Um, and then and then we can talk about uh, that particular fork in the road. So I think um <laughs> You know, and here's the thing. I th- so, so I take off the headset, and 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 by the way, the whole experience was pretty, pretty fucking bizarre and surreal. There was like a, it's like 150 people watching, and um, I went into someone in VR chat had made a um, the Magic Kingdom in in, in virtual reality. So mm. from the Disney's Magic Kingdom, and they have this fireworks show every every night at, at, at disneyland they have this fireworks show where like tinkerbell will come down flying mm-hmm. and, and then they'll, they'll play the music and the fireworks so so to, to to close off my night the last thing that i did was people from vr chat invited me to this room to come watch the fireworks with them as i you know the, the moment before i took off the headset so cute. it was this really cute really like it almost i was like for a second, I thought to myself, like, "Wow, am I in a movie? Like, this mm-hmm. is this it's feels a nice like a movie. fairy tale ending." Yeah, yeah, it had this very fairy tale ending sort of until I took it off, right? Oh. <laughs> um, and so, and so, I took off the headset, and immediately, what I hadn't realized was uh, how sharp and vivid the world looked, and mm. how this felt like nothing I've ever felt before. 
and it almost felt like I was on some sort of high. Mm. Like um, I've had friends who that they've tried LSD, and they and 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 based on what they've told me, you know this this experience almost felt like you know if, you know if you if you sort of round it off like doing a quarter hit of acid, like this this sort of you know had that sort of like emotional yeah <laughs> even 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 higher than the microdose frankly like a little higher than that yeah um, that but it had right? this it, this euphoria because all of a sudden I can see the world with my own eyes. And my brain had gotten used to seeing the yeah. resolution of the vibe. Mm-hmm. And that change went from like going from, so going from 32K, you know, resolution in my, my normal eyes to like 2.5K and getting used to that. And then going back to 32K, that was insane. And all of a sudden my brain all, was l- seeing patterns and shapes and angles in reality that I had never noticed before. Interesting. So I was, Wait, tell me more about that. So, so you know how like, uh, so you know how um, when you, when we look at the visual cortex, right? Like you got B1, B2, B3 at, in, at B1, B2, those levels, Our your brain feature is detectors, only, yeah. it's mm-hmm. just patterns, right? It's lines and patterns and, you know, shades, right? That, that, that part felt like got activated a little more. And I would look around, I would look at, I was looking around my house and I was like, why am I looking at that sharp corner more? Why yeah. am I looking at that yeah. edge more? Why is it, why yeah. is it that my brain is paying, I know I'm paying attention to it more than I used to. And I don't know why. And so that was really bizarre. I wonder if the corners and edges just are not as defined with 2.5K. It could like, be. Right? Like, yeah. Or just not as visually acute for those, cor- for those neurons to be activated. And th- that's like firing back. Like, oh my God, I can see these, literally these lines that I've never seen in the past hundred hours. It could be that. Yeah. It could be the brain was like, holy shit, this is novel again. I, mm-hmm. you know, I can, I'm noticing this because it's novel again. I used to ignore it before. But so that was, so that was super interesting. Um, and then obviously, um, the screen door had been burnt into my retina. Um, oh yeah, that wow. That was so. The screen door is is, is that mesh, and and what it, what ended up happening was that that mesh. I I had it embedded in my eyesight everywhere it looked. Wow. No, no, actually I didn't. I didn't. Hmm. I only had embedded that much of the screen door effect at a ninety to a hundred degree field of view. So if I looked <laughs> in my periphery, it went away. <laughs> So, so the screen door effect only burnt into my yeah, retina yeah. at the field of view of the vibe. And, I, sense, and, and, yeah. and it was crazy. I was, I was like, <gasps> yeah, I was like, holy shit. I could like, and there's this weird line, cutoff line where I can see the screen door effect. And then I don't it, out of my periphery. It was super trippy. So it's almost know? like a real time comparison of what the field of view of your real life was to where your the vibe was. And like, wow, that's such a small little window of you can see the pixels still. Like that's, that's nuts. It was insane. And it had me questioning reality for three days. Because I was wow. like, fuck, I didn't take off the headset. Did I really take off the headset? I think I did. Like, seriously? I mean, for like, there was a couple times. And, my, and mind you, I was stoned. So I, that doesn't count, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> wait, but, wait, were you stoned but, during or after? After, after. after. You, oh, no, 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 no time during? So here's the thing. <laughs> that's, audio that's, Shield. Yeah. So if you play Audio Shield yeah. on a few uh, hits of marijuana, mm-hmm. it is watching neuroplasticity happen in real time. Really? Here's what <laughs> interesting it, it, you say that. All yeah. right. All right. I'm, I'm going to spill the beans. Okay. Cause yeah. no one listens to this anyway. So no, might yeah. as well tell you. <laughs> all right. So this is what happens. Um, we know that cannabis activates neuroplasticity. We know this, right? And so what I had done was I was playing, I played audio shield sober for a few hours. And then I played audio shield with a little bit of weed. And what I had noticed uh, was that when I played Audio Shield sober, 
the beat, the rhythm, you know, I would, I would block it with the shield sort of like a, a two beats away. And I would sort of be at that edge of like, all right, just barely keeping up. But then with, uh, with Canvas in, in, my, in my system, what I had started happening was it went from me being able to see two beats ahead to four, five, six. And next thing you know it, I felt like I could turn off my brain or there was a, a click or like a, a switch, that would, switch that would go off in my mm. brain. And next thing you know it, I was blocking the, the, the beats that was coming from uh, Audio Shield at four, five, six beats ahead of me in, without me thinking. And, I, and every time I would like uh, my voice inside of my head would activate, but say something like I would lose it for a second. Mm. But it was this weird state it's where flow. I was like, holy shit, I feel it. I feel it. I'm in it. And I can watch it in real time because I'm training in my brain with Audio Shield, mm. which I've never had before. Like I've never had that sort of like, you know. And here's the best part about it is like you're playing a game with the music that you like. So and, 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 it, and it's hyper visual and it's also like you have to move your body a little bit. Right. So it has all, all this and it's stressful. Uh, yeah. That's yeah, another it, it's, aspect, yeah, it has yeah. that. Right. It has that suspense of, 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 of trying to get a high score. So it has all these elements that activate all these parts of the brain um, that I think uh could be amazing for like you know people who live in at hospitals and stuck in hospital beds or just uh you know really good arcade and uh, experience in general um so so yeah there we go uh screen door fragged burden my retina um patterns and shapes also um two last things was the two last things that happened was um when i went to sleep that night there was this crazy buzzing inside my eyes buzzing yeah like like, the, like i was artifacts like, like i felt like there was a bees like a beehive inside of my eyeballs huh. and it lasted like six hours it was just it just felt this buzzing zzz, the whole for like six hours before you know while trying to go to sleep I, I think it just had to been with like you know had to do with my my brain or my eyes just being like holy shit this is what it feels like after you know that <laughs> much noise it's, it's almost like, yeah, like I could yeah. perceive sound through my eyes. It was, or like, it was just this weird, just, over, or like my eyes were just overcharged yeah. with light or something. From, I mean, from having a headset off for a, a day, you know, th that much more visual information is coming in and it's like, it's so tired. I'm yeah. guessing. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's nuts. Two weeks later, I noticed, or for two weeks later, I noticed that also um, houses and objects that were far away in uh -huh. the distance, my mind was looking out to them more and every time yes. i did notice them it felt like i was looking at houses you know that were out in the distance and it felt like they were you ever seen the tilt shift effect mm -hmm. of, of yeah. my camera yeah. yeah it felt like that like i was looking through a tilt shift effect a very minor tilt shift, tilt shift effect and it wasn't like um it wasn't scary it was just really novel and it lasted two weeks so as in it looked far but it, it's in your mind it's like oh that's actually smaller and more like a, a a playful like a dollhouse yeah like a city. sims and it had this like weird three-dimensionality to it mm. like 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 as if parallax was like my parallax and depth perception were a little bit off yeah i i want to put the theory on the fact that the vives um screen was set at uh is it set at a fixed focal point mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so so my guess is that it has to do with that that you're alone time and the lens in your eyes aren't accommodating. Yeah. So when you take it off, it's like your your the lenses are like fixed at that one infinity 
point and and everything else when you take it off it starts moving it's like holy shit what what is this thing in yeah. front of me i i actually my our chief optometrist um i did a call with him right after the next morning he wanted to check my eyes see how they're doing um and thankfully uh thankfully you know the eyes are really good at accommodating and just not being able to uh, be able to come back that's yeah. so cool i think for i mean doing this 100 hours now is a different going to be different than doing it in two years or three years with the amount of tech that's going to change between the headsets. But I think that's so interesting to document, you know, at this point, state in time, what VR is yeah. and how it can affect you. Last thing I'll tell, I'll leave you guys with the last thing. The last thing that I did was it left me, um, wanting, um, it left me, uh, with a little bit of a better outlook on the world. I think it had antidepressive mm. effects. Um, I feel like, and I, and, and my, where I'm ba- what I'm basing this off of is that ketamine treatments are used to fight depression and how the ketamine works is it's sort of this disassociative that breaks the cycle, the loop, you know, mm-hmm. that people in depressive, depressive states get stuck in. I think what VR, that hundred hours in VR, if I was stuck in a rut, that definitely, it definitely took me out of it. Mm. Um, and it definitely was able to break whatever loops I had going on, um, and yeah, I, I, I walked feeling like a little bit more, more appreciative of real, of real life. Yeah. Um, it almost felt like, you know what it feels like? You ever, like you, you ever go on a vacation and, and then, and you come back home and you're like, ah, oh, it's nice to be back. Mm-hmm. That, that people should feel that more often. If mm-hmm. people should feel that more often about reality, period. Because I like that, yeah. existence is finite so far, thus far. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll come- but more on that brain science later. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back home then. This is awesome. I mean, it's, that's, that's a really cool way to end it. I think, um, the rejuvenation back into the real world helps you realize the insane complexity that our brain actually processes. So this opens it up for mental health. Honestly, like Mm -hmm. if people like, I don't put it past this reality, considering all the crazy fucked up shit that's happening or crazy shit in general that has happened that one day we will see, uh, places, institutions where people will go in VR for a week or two and by them, you know, being monitored by professionals and then they will come out and come back better, happier, mm. oh, maybe. Opens up the question. <laughs> Thank you, Chris Miranda and Erica Raza for again, joining us for this awesome episode of Research VR. It's been a fascinating subject. Um, I'd actually love to re- revisit this um, and actually go into the deep depths of, you know, what happens to your visual system in VR rather than outside. Um, mm-hmm. So that, and, and then you also talked about, um, we'll, we'll come back to talk about it. Anyway. So thank- much, so much. Thank you so much for having me. So much. <laughs> thank you all for being thank here. Thank you guys. And uh, join us for next time. Bye. <laughs>